a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expanding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding Reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, Cecilia Baez. She is an energy therapist, a healer, a teacher, a guide. We talk all about the energy shift happening globally right now, guys, action and motivation, how you can heal yourself. Uh, We also talk about her channeling of the Jesus energy experience, as well as her ayahuasca experience, which are both absolutely fascinating you guys will really like this episode uh for more from this show specifically guys go to expandingrealitypodcast.com that is where the links to all socials and all that kind of stuff are so without any further ado cecilia baez all right ladies and gentlemen welcoming to this episode it is cecilia baez how are you darling absolutely wonderful hell yeah we are uh, about to have a wonderful conversation about all things awesome. Are you down for that? I was born ready. Come out. Okay. So uh, before we get into um, why I've uh, why I'm having you on, besides the fact that you're awesome, uh, tell the folks out here just a little bit about yourself, please. Oh wow! I could have prepared for that question. I didn't think I was going to ask that question. Go from the heart. <laughs> Go from the heart. Be authentic. It's real original, right? <laughs> Always. Well, hello. I am Cecilia. I am the energy therapist, but that does not mean that I am strictly just an energy healer. Um, I am a Philly native, born and raised, though I don't feel like I'm from this planet. (laughs) That's to say the least. (laughs) I am a high energy being, which means I am bouncing off the walls absolutely all day. Now, with great energy comes great responsibility. (laughs) And so with all of this energy, most of my life, I've used it um, in very dark and depressing ways that have made me play very small. And within my journey coming to a point where I'm now playing it very big within myself, that energetic shift. And so here I am, this energy being, who is absolutely, and this is probably crazy to say this, but absolutely in love with planet Earth, with humanity, and with the up-leveling of this collective. Um, and I'll, I'll get deeper into that stuff. But yeah, so I'm a little bit of a passion nut for that stuff. Um, it's everything to me. And it has been since I was a little girl. So. so what what got you started on that? Was it um, a connection to like animals and earth? Did you just uh, covet nature just a little bit more than probably your average kid just wanting to play with trucks and go to the moon? Definitely played in mud a lot. That's for sure. Um, oh, goodness. I, I didn't grow up in a family that actually was nature oriented. Um, I did not discover my love for earth until 2007. And at that point, I was probably... 
13. Um, yeah, I was about 13. Wow. Shows how, how young I am. My goodness. You were quite young. Yeah. That, uh, that also plays into why I'm having you on. So go ahead. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. I have a plan. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> I'm also very goofy. I will laugh probably this entire time. That's um, fun. I'm super charismatic. You're, you're going to have a great time here today. So it's all good. Go ahead. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, to be honest with you, I believe my love for humanity started in kindergarten when my father told me that if I became a doctor, I'd make enough money to buy a Lamborghini. Mm. And then I thought, wow, I could fix people and make a lot of money. This is great. Yeah. In kindergarten. That's what I thought. <laughs> but then you have this little girl who's like six, who's seven, who's eight, who's nine, who you'll catch doing the dishes for like an hour at a time. A 10 minute job will take me an hour because I'm sitting here thinking about how I could help humanity. Really, I mean, eventually it pivoted from a money aspect into just really enjoying the transformation within an individual and um, the potential of what can happen here on planet Earth um, if more people were to do their inner work. But anyway, <laughs> we can get to that. Probably will. So with with your young age at that point, I mean, it is an interesting observation in what children go through because you you're we're all empathetic beings and empaths when we're born. And then, you know, we're domesticated, as Neil Don, um, Don Miguel Ruiz says. I keep saying Neil Donald Walsh. So I'm just used to that default. But it was Don Miguel Ruiz this time in the four agreements. And he talked about the domestication of children, uh, of people and humanity. And that's how we have the system. But um, what. To your point, though, is when you were young, all you wanted to do was help people. You know, it's a very rooted in compassion and love. And then your father, the person that's been domesticated, was the one telling you, no, 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 you want to go be a doctor, not necessarily to help people. He didn't say to help people. He said for a Lamborghini. So the right. goal of the occupation was then materialistic, you know, in nature. And yours, though, went to the default childlike heart center uh, to that. I just want to help people. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's actually pretty wild how obsessed I was with it. I mean, every daydream I had was either if it wasn't about being a princess somewhere in a far off land, it was about me doing a talk show interview or um, uh, um, speaking in front of a ton of people about um, how I've created a system, a way to help people just rapidly transform. Um, yeah, I was a very little girl thinking and dreaming of these things and writing about these things. And um, so it's, it's interesting. It's weird to me. I'm just like, oh, oh, OK, cool. Little genius, you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you get those inspirations young. And, you know, uh, a lot of people, if you follow the school of thought, that all thoughts are actually just downloads or they're not from you. You're just the receiver of them and then you interact with them. So at, at any age level, that would apply. So it would make sense when you're younger and you get these kind of thoughts and then it turns into a passion later. It's nostalgic for you to go into a passion like this because you've been thinking about it for so long. I think that that's why people go into what they do later on in life, not only because they chose to do that on a spiritual level before they even got here, but it's been a thought in their mind. It's been them shooting hoops in their garage, you know, in their front yard for years with their dad, and then they grew up to go into the NBA, uh, stuff like that. And so you had a real heart center for the earth and healing. And so, you know, that's been a nostalgic feeling for you anyway. So any new thoughts that come in 
kind of correlate to that feeling of being younger and wanting to do that. So it's cool that you've, that's what you're doing now. Now, I do want to get to your message here in a little bit. The spirituality meets strategy. Is that what you're referring to as far as your, (laughs) yeah, I I think this is very interesting. So I'm definitely, we're definitely going to spend some time on that. So as a healer and a teacher and a guide, what is the first thing that people usually ask you? (laughs) Yes, I am as a host asking you for a question that people ask you. No, that's great. Actually, um, the most common question people come to me for is how can I have your amount of energy? How can I be as positive as you? How could I be as passionate or like alive as you are? Um, And that's a really hard question to ask because I was almost born that way. Um, Later conditioned to not be that way and then having to recondition myself to go back to my original... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my original design, but um, yeah, so it's the process from the deconditioning where I, I figured that out. How do you become, um, oh, what was it? Oh, I love this. This is, I love this little thing that someone told me once. How do you go from being unconscious of your incompetence, your incompetence to being conscious of your incompetence and then being conscious and competent? It's very interesting. Hopefully I said that right. I think I said that right. Um, oh, that's a really great question. I have to charge you for that, but <laughs> <laughs> give us a sample. Give us a five second sample and save the meaty stuff. Absolutely joking. I don't mind sharing. Um, that's actually an inner problem with helpers and healers is that we just want to give. I, I would give you everything that I know, everything that I have so willingly and so happily, um, which can be a trap, but it's, it's a part of it. Just wanting to help. Consciousness, right? That's that word. Increasing consciousness, expanding consciousness, developing more mindfulness, more awareness of our unconscious natures. And what's really interesting, actually, um, a tool used would thus be shadow work. Um, A tool that I am absolutely obsessed with right now. Like you have no idea. The shining light into all your unconscious behaviors, patterns, habits, beliefs, even talents that you might have that are now unconscious. Really powerful stuff. I'm actually creating a workshop all throughout September with my students to hone in on something for that. But yeah, if anybody wants to go from unconscious to their incompetence, do some shadow work. You'll become conscious of everything. Yes. And there are many ways to do that. Nice psychedelic experiences. Uh, you can you can do this in a variety of ways. And I do highly recommend uh, that part of the process. It's not one that a lot of people talk about. They want to get right to the crystals and sun in their balls, but um, they don't you know, want to do that part of it. Um, so why why is that part so important? OK, so. You have shadow work, which could be viewed as maybe a dark, dark work, right? Let's just think of it that way. The shadow, the darkness. Then you have light, the light work that I would consider the crystals, the all the love and the light, the good things that do come with spirituality that really do a lot of that awakening and activation and up leveling. But for that to really even happen, you must do the shadow work. You must come into awareness of all parts of your being in wholeness. So the shadow self forms very early on in our life. Well, it could actually develop later as well. But when there are parts of our being that are disowned, suppressed, rejected, 
um, and shoved down, just pushed away. And when that happens, you become fragmented. Your being becomes fragmented. And so when you dive on your, your spiritual journey, right, you're, you're, you're awakening, you're remembering, you're putting yourself back together. But you can't be that whole being with these fragments still. You must bring all of that, integrate all of that into you, bring it into the light. And in reality, I don't even think shadow work is like dark work because it's kind of like alchemy. You're taking the shadow and you're transmuting it into light, your whole light, which in itself is light work. Um, pretty cool stuff, pretty cool stuff, which will even just make all of the other beautiful light things about spirituality that much more deep, that much more powerful. It's like, how can you understand happiness if you've never experienced a sadness right yeah how can i it's it's yeah and the duality is part of this place and so yes the the importance that i've that i've discovered as well exactly to what you said is it's part of it you're it's it's part of you so you have to master both the dark and the light to be able to join them together i know there's great memes about this where there's like you know grim reaper sitting next to a chick and they're sharing a joint or a cigarette on a (laughs) step or something like that and it's like you know when my shadow work and i figure it out you know and you're both kind of in this together and so it is important important to embrace those sides of you and just the recognition of it and and like you said unconsciously it's a it's a big challenge uh, because not a lot they're unknown unknowns to a lot of people they're ignorant of that part of themselves so the awareness of it uh, changes everything and i i completely agree with you i do think that that's very important so uh whenever we look at um what what does an energy therapist do? Whenever you say I'm an energy therapist, I, I like it. I mean, it's very it's very cool. I can't. I'm I'm waiting for the t-shirt. Uh, so, what is energy <laughs> therapy? Okay. Well, if this was asked in um in that healing spiritual community, I would say if you use the words energy therapy, you'll immediately think of energy healing. Reiki, IET, Theta Healing, you'll immediately go into that department. And um, I <laughs> i should have known this when I picked that name, but that's not all that I do. That's actually not even the core of what I do. And so I've actually debated on changing that name into something that's more in alignment so that when people see it, they know. But I also like being asked that question because then I can bring some light to the surface. So yes, on one level, energy therapist can be in direct correlation to energy healing, definitely. But my mode of being is energy. And so energy is everything that I work with. And energy is way more than just releasing suppressed energy from your body or bringing your chakras into alignment (laughs) we are energy beings i mean we have this electromagnetic field around our body right we have this energy field around our body and what is that energy consisted of people can tell me well i have low energy or i have high energy but what does that actually mean so Energy therapist actually came from me going on Google and like, well, what are Reiki people called? Oh, they're called Reiki therapist. Oh, well, what's a massage person called? Massage therapist. Well, what's somebody who works with energy called? An energy therapist. Yeah, yeah I like <laughs> That it. was the I process. Like it. <laughs> it was that simple. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Um, now I can get way much, much deeper into it, but I help people master their energy, right? I help them master this field around their body. And I do so in a way where you no longer need to seek external sources for your own healing. A lot of what I do is about 
shifting people out of that seeking loop of having to go outside of themselves for stuff and working with their energy, their field, their state of being. Because we can do that. We can heal ourselves. Um, yeah, hopefully that answered the question. I can do more than that, too. I, I like it. I do want to just say how cool as shit that is. Um, but I also uh, do want you to go further into that. So I think this is an interesting model because if we look at Western medicine or something, and we all know this, they treat symptoms. So, you know, because they create customers, not cures. That's a big thing. If they, you, you got to keep coming back. So they keep making that money. There's, there's ways, you know, and there's arguments for this too, that there are things, everything that's wrong on the planet, you can heal, which is plants or a certain amount of, you know, different Native American or ancient practices. I mean, people have known this forever, but you can't make money on that if they're not a repeat customer. So with you, I like this model. It's very altruistic. You can tell. Now, number one, I like it because um, it's very altruistic, like I said, because you're you're giving something that they don't need to come back to you for. Um, but uh, what's interesting about this is I think that it's brilliant as a business plan because there are so many damn people out there that need this. It's you're basically your customer base is never ending, even if you never see another one after the healing is done. It's brilliant. I like it on both angles because it is altruistic, but it's also brilliant. Nice work. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So so dive back a little deeper into that for us. Yeah, I can definitely do that. Right. So on a surface level, your energy consists. I mean, there's much more to it this, but I'm going to keep it surface level for now, and we can get deeper. On a surface level, your energy field consists of the thoughts you think, or the images in your mind, and the emotions you feel. You bring those two things together, you have your state of being. So how do we master our emotions and master our mind, our thoughts, which does not mean controlling them, master how to work with them? Okay. I also go off of the idea of, okay, so if we have this energy field around our body, this force field around us, and it is consistent of the thoughts and the images in our mind and the emotions we feel that come together, that's our energy. That's the energy that people can feel. They can feel that. That energy goes out into the world, out into the universe. Now the law of vibration states that what you give out will come back to you. And so I'm teaching people how to be in control of their energy field. So they're in control of what they're getting out putting out into the world and they're getting back, thus creating the reality that they want. Okay. A lot of the people that work with me are living in these, at least at first, living in these victim mentalities as if they have no control over what they're feeling or what they're thinking or what's happening in their life when it's the complete opposite of that. And so giving people back their power and a lot of that power is built in having a very strong energy field. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel complete with that. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, and it makes it makes so much sense because, of course, you know, it's this, your perception is your reality. And, you know, there are things about the human body that we don't, that science hasn't recognized as an actual science that a lot of people are aware of and have been aware of for thousands of years. And so um, the fact that this is starting to come back about uh, will lead me to my next question. So you are quite young. Uh, which, how old are you, by the way? Just curious for the audience. I'm 27 next month. 27 next month. Oh, when's your birthday? September 22nd. I'm 18th. How cool is that? Oh, Hashtag so Virgos for life. Okay. Yes. So, uh, it, so at, at 27, um, 
How long have you been doing this work on a more deliberate level? I'll put it that way. Deliberately? Yeah, like uh, doing this as far as getting it a wider base. Like your your website was just made last year, but I mean, have you been doing it longer than that? So it was a work in progress. Um, I will say in terms of stepping into a space where I am just like you, unstoppable, full force, creating something exactly of what I'm speaking about <laughs> since January of this year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the buildup prior to that, to even bring me to the awakening point to do that, that's been going on for about five years um, of actually working with people to even create what I've created about five years. Um, and then even the personal work to develop that, to work with people about 10 years. So it's really it's cool. Going so for a we, bit. we have another, uh, uh, similarity here. I just started this show in January. So, um, but before that I had another show that, you know, taught me podcasting and how to do all that kind of stuff and the media and the audio and all that good stuff. So that was that training round for this. And then of course, leading up to that, everything that I've researched and been interested in turned into the themes of the show up to this point. But it did take uh, that long to get me to this point to where I'm at now to be able to start what I'm doing now. So it's very cool. And I, and it, and it all kind of happened at the same time. Now, another thing that's interesting about this, and uh, is is all the people that lately have been doing this waking up thing is just for a better mm. term, let's just put it that way, been realizing that what you're being told in the media and the government is not what's actually going on. Uh, being told that you are way more powerful or rediscovering that you're way more powerful than um, people give you credit for or that they want you to actually know about. Because there is a dichotomy here. If you're an ultimate powerful being, there's going to be a force here that doesn't want you to know that that's ultimately power, but in the opposite direction. So... Um, this, this is an interesting part of the experience. Now, uh, to your age part real quick, I, I think that it's interesting that a lot of younger people are following this, this path, and I think that it's happening a lot younger. Um, do you think that this is because of a global type of consciousness shift, or do you think that we have way more, not only connectivity with technology and the internet, but also you have more examples of that this is what can resonate with you as a, as a career or as an occupation? The calling, I'll put it that way, calling's better. Yeah. Having been in a space where, okay, let's do it this way. The <laughs> spirituality, right? Let's just, I'll just call it that. I, I, the, I'm coming to the terms of um, learning how to communicate what's coming through me in shared language. It's rather difficult, actually. <laughs> Um, but that's okay. So we'll do our best well, for lack of better words, right? <laughs> so, okay. Spirituality has become very big, a big, big trend. It's, it's honestly become mainstream. I'm sure if I was in high school today, I, I think it would be deemed cool to have crystals and to like be psychic, right? Um, whereas when I was in high school, that was not something I would share with people. I would be deemed a complete weirdo. Um, granted, I was very fortunate to have friends outside of the school within my community that were total spirituality nerds with me. And so I loved having that community, but it was still an it was still viewed a hippie thing. It was still viewed a new age thing. And it was it was in some manner looked down upon, at least by my parents, by other adults and people around me. And so being in an, a space, an era where 
I'm seeing now this shift, this, this rapid awakening process where like everybody is diving into this stuff and it's becoming a norm. First off, absolutely mind blows me. I'm a little, I'm a little jealous. I'm like, why couldn't I have that when I was freaking 16? Yeah, we were underground <laughs> as hell, right? We we're just figuring it out. <laughs> we we're reading books. <laughs> but at the same time, I am so happy for it. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because the more people that wake up, the more people that do their inner work, the more people that raise their vibration, which just means freeing yourself from a whole bunch of garbage of misinformation and conditioning. I, I just imagine what's going to happen to this planet. Um, now, I have very interesting theories about the new Earth theory and what's happening to Earth and, and, and different dimensions that we're shifting into, and we could go into that stuff. But from a 3D just level here, I feel that there are a lot of different pieces that are contributing to it. Um, but it's inevitable. I mean, if last year wasn't the tipping point in my mind for everyone being like, okay, this is now a thing. There's something going on behind the scenes within our government, within the world. And to just start questioning reality, right? Um, that's where it begins. We start questioning everything we've been told. And I don't know, man, divine timing. There are a lot of contributing factors. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, so with you, then it was conspiracy theories that woke you up to spirituality? Um, I met my first spiritual teacher at 15 and, um, she woke me up to spirituality and then I dug more and it was conspiracy theories, theories that had me then question this, this the school system and the government and, <laughs> and the health yeah, I, and everything. I just and I ask the question just simply because I find that they do go hand in hand. You either have a spiritual experience or uh, you know get to start even glancing in that direction, and then you just start looking at conspiracy theories or vice versa. Uh, you're right, and it it does have to do with you just taking the lid off. You know, you're pulling the the thing off your eyes. You're like, hang on, so everything I've been told is not what I'm seeing in reality. Like the two just don't jive. They don't match up. Uh, and what you're experiencing and what resonates with you, because ultimately that's your experience of this reality how you experience it is what's true and of mm -hmm. course then you, you people dive down this thing of like oh well people just can't go running around doing whatever they want yes as long as you don't hurt anybody else there's caveats to this and we all know that don't be childish right and so um with with this mass spiritual awakening and us do you think it's a result of us shifting into a new dimension or do you think it's a result of the domino effect of technology being able to connect people in a more um just so much faster That's a tough question to actually answer. My my mind just goes both. It, it it can be all of it, right? It doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be black or white. It, it can be both. Um, but then my mind also goes into, well, uh, no, I'll leave that there. I do. I like I, it. I like it. There there seems to be perceivably possibly a chicken and egg type thing going on. Like we're moving into a, into a new dimension. Therefore, everybody's waking up. Or is it, are we moving into a new dimension because everybody's waking up? You know, and it doesn't really matter. And I'm with you. I think that they're one, I think that they're hand in hand. Um, and there's some interesting, you know, you can kind of look back in history and see how this progression happened. And it's, it's, it's a wild ride. I mean, it's really, really clear, crazy, but you can feel things shifting around now uh this won't come out when the lion gates portal's going on but have has this thing been screwing with you too <laughs> well 
dude, right? <laughs> it's not only the Lionsgate. There are a couple. Uh, there's another portal that's open too, and um, then the new moon happened. There were basically three things that happened around the same time, and it's a big energy shift. I mean, there's going to be a lot more of them happening, and I absolutely love it. So I want to get into that. So I didn't know about a second portal. Is this like the Lionsgate portal, and this is the Lion's Buttholes portal? What is this thing? <laughs> so I am actually not. Okay, a little fast fact about me. I'm not woo-woo enough to fit in with the hardcore spirituality people, but I'm also not 3D and logical enough to fit in with all the spirit nerd, I mean, the science nerds. So I'm kind of like right in the middle, um, leaning between both, kind of finding peace and, and information in both and, and bringing them. That's why I'm saying strategy and spirituality. I don't swing on the pendulum. I want to stay in the middle. So... I am not highly educated on those portals. I I work with a woman who is, um, she's my mentor, and she was giving me a lot of information on these things. And um, so I work with her and for starseed stuff, this idea that, you know, I there are individuals on earth that were not necessarily from earth, but our soul chose to incarnate here to help with the collective mission of up-leveling of raising the vibration of humanity technically. Mm. Um, and so she tells me a lot about these things, but I don't have valid information to regurgitate to you. I apologize. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I honestly was just going to throw you like some hang in there and you're doing great. Like it's going to be okay. I talked to Christopher, the astro medium last night, my wife and him and I sat down we had just a great conversation and we were talking about it and all the purging and the bringing crap up and all that stuff. And, uh, it's just, it's just been crazy. So, okay. um, yeah, it's just been wild. I didn't know if you were affected by it like everybody else. Cause a lot of people I talked to were just like, man, this one's rough. And it's like, I know it, but it's can weird. I, it's a necessary part, I guess. Can I, um, share something that might help people that are going through it? Please. Yeah. So a part of the self-healing, um, idea that, um, you can, quantum heal yourself on your own um a lot of it has to do with when you're moving through very difficult experiences discomfort in the body anxiety tension depression just whatever it is you don't have to label it you just know that you're not feeling okay and it can also be very subtle um the first idea is one to not judge it as like oh i don't i don't like how this feels to be just notice it oh i'm feeling a little off right now there's something going on okay and so when you release judgment towards what you're experiencing you're allowing you're giving yourself permission to experience it and within that permission i would further say to just surrender to what you're experiencing and when you surrender to it you can still feel very uncomfortable while surrendering but while you're surrendering to it you can imagine that you have this part of you that just wants to express itself, just wants to take you on this ride. And you can imagine like a roller coaster, right? And some of us would judge the roller coaster as scary, and some of us would be like, whoa, this is so fun, mm -hmm. right? So it's just perception of the experience. But we can just scratch all meaning of what it could be and just allow ourselves to experience it. And so when you're there with any resistance or discomfort, you're surrendering by being with it your breath, there's a very specific breath that you can do that will create quantum shifts in your ability to release what's inside of you or to transmute it into something different, a lighter energy. 
Very basic, so simple. You will breathe in through your nose and you will fill yourself up, okay? And you're going to breathe out through your mouth, but there are two key factors here. One, that breath must be audible. You want to hear it. Not like this. Mm -mm. <sighs> okay. Two, you want it to sound like a sigh. You know, we sigh out of relief, right? <sighs> right, we're sighing out of relief. And so inhaling to fill yourself up and exhaling in, a, in an audible sigh, you are surrendering in that motion itself and you're surrendering to what's inside of you and you're letting this out little by bit or transmuting it. I tell you, you do that for five minutes. Anytime you feel uncomfortable, it will be gone. It is people are just so resistant to even taking having the willingness to even just want to do that. Um, and no, I don't mean like sitting here and breathing softly. I mean, really getting into God, five minutes of that, I would pass out. <laughs> I exactly. It's <would>. great. <laughs> I was seeing a 30-second one kind of like that, that I was just like, oh, I made it through it. You know, <laughs> like 30 seconds, I could do it. I, like, I've been having, I've been doing my own shadow work, revisiting it again so that I can create the shadow work experience for people in September. And so I am doing a lot of my shadow work during this Lionsgate energy, and it is absolutely intense for me. And I've been using just this very simple breath every single time. And every single time I do it, I am making complete breakthroughs because um, I'm willing to sit here and surrender to this really uncomfortable feeling and breathe through it and give myself permission to do that. Pow, pow, just pow. You know, I hear you. Uh, and I know all of this. This is like knowledge I have. But man, when you're in the throes of it and you're you're there in it, it is that is like the last damn thing I want to do is sit down yep. and just breathe through it. You know, you just want to figure out how to fix it, make it go away. But ironically, sitting still and doing some breath work like that is the way to let it go away. Uh, it, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I know the, the importance of this kind of stuff. But again, in the moment and your your balls in it, that's why stuff like this is important just to remind yourself of just the basics. You know, I think this is great. But your expansion on it to the energy field work, I, I think it's wonderful as well. Like you you are kind of like a one-stop shop for things. I like that. So, of course, I'm going to link all of the ways to find you down in the show notes. Um, let's talk about action and motivation uh, before we wrap here. So yeah. tell, me, tell me what that's all about. Action and motivation. Um, enlighten me on why you chose those two. Because I think that those are the most um, useful things that people can do. They can feel motivated to take action or are they, is it an action that then leads to the motivation? Like what's, what's the formula there that folks can implement into their own lives to take action to then motivate themselves to take further mm. action to change their lives? Okay. Oh, goodness. There's a lot of directions I can go there because there's this mother part of me that's very firm. And especially when I'm working with people, I have no problem calling people out on patterns that I'm seeing and, and, and bullshit, I will say, that I'm seeing them do. And I actually do believe that the motivation and the inspiration to do something come after the action, that you don't need the inspiration to do something. A lot of the times, if I don't feel like going to the gym, but once I'm there, I kick ass, right? So all we need to do is just have the desire, really be willing <laughs> to take the action. So 
Okay, let me let me feel through this really quickly. I find the only way an individual is going to want to take action towards something is when they have committed to that something that they want to do. A lot of the times we consciously think that we're committed to something, but we're not. We're unconsciously committed to something different. And that's why our words don't match our actions, because we have this unconscious commitment towards something totally different. So I see this a lot within my students. And so having to recalibrate, okay, well, what are your priorities? What are you really committed to? And to understand that you can't be committed to a widespread of things. Your energy is spread too thin and you'll get nothing done. You have to hone in your energy and where it's going and then commit to that thing or those two things or three things, but a very small selection of things. And so when all your energy is going there and your commitment is there, you, especially if that commitment is embodied into the subconscious, you will just naturally do it. You won't have to be motivated. You're just naturally going to do it. So a lot of hacking the mind with that stuff, but can you ask the question again? Yeah, it's just about action and then motivation. And it's kind of like that saying, uh, you know, doing work uh, that you don't enjoy is called stress. Doing work that you do enjoy is called passion. I put this up on my Instagram. I'm sure you saw it. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, what I want to say will take too long. Um, no, go ahead. You're fine. Launch into it. <laughs> So one of the really cool things that I learned um, about, this is August, eight months ago, is this thing between intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation, right? So that intrinsic motivation is that thing where we internally are motivated to do. And that's because it's something that we enjoy that just brings us that gratification, that happiness, right? And we'll do those things very easily. And then you have extrinsic motivation is when you're doing something for that reward, okay, for something that's going to come after. Now, I find we want to lean more towards the intrinsic motivation. We want to lean towards that thing, um, the things that we just naturally really want to do, we enjoy doing. And how to tell if something is in alignment with you, and it'll be in alignment with you if the amount of effort it takes to do it, so the amount of energy, physical and emotional energy it takes to do this thing, and the impact that's going to have on your life. Is it going to bring a big impact or a small impact, right? Something that doesn't require much effort, but has a high impact, we will want to do very willingly. We'll happily do it because it doesn't require a lot of energy and it's going to boost my life. And I would personally recommend people focusing on those things, those things where they're naturally, their energy just naturally goes into that direction, okay? That will be very easy. That'll be more the easy stuff to do. We could dive deeper on the things that have a high effort, but also a high impact. And then ask yourself, is, are you willing to put forth the energy into that stuff? But it still boils down to where your priorities are and what you're committed to. Because at the end of the day, I don't think you have to feel like doing something to do something. You just do it. You can be highly yeah. uncomfortable, but you just do it. Yeah. And there are things that are hard to do that make little impact. Like if you if you decide to move a huge rock from one side of the yard to the other, it doesn't really mean much, but it took a ton of effort to get it there. But what the difference in, in the energies 
as far as the result goes. And I've just found this is if you're a long game player, uh, then what you want to do is put a, a lot of effort in to the long strategy, because that's the energy that lasts longer than the things that don't take that much energy, but you achieve very high results from those fizzle out real quick. Those are little firecrackers, right? Um, not the large, you know, uh, finale that you want. That's where the long game work comes in. Um, but those are necessary along the way as well. You've got to kind of reward yourself in selfish ways um, because you've got to motivate yourself to keep moving. I, I mean, I know that there's something to be said for the monk that's sitting in a cave somewhere that's freezing cold with no shoes. And all he does is drink like some weird tea made out of like hair of the Buddha uh, or something like that. I'm butchering this metaphor, but you understand what I'm saying. That's an, that's an option. But also, uh, you can do this kind of work because this is where a lot of impact can be can be made. And that's one difference between spiritual paths, right? Every spiritual path, path is significant to you. It's very personal. But what you share and the impact on the people around you that are seeking knowledge as well is your contribution to the collective in that way. Now, the yeah. monk sitting up there, he's in an echo chamber of his own belief system, which is fine because that's very personal. That's a belief system they have. That's an idea that they've got that they're following that path, which is great. But paths like yours put you on the streets. You're you're in it. You're you're around affecting the world around you to people that are not a resonant chamber of this at all. And a lot of you get a lot of pushback with this kind of stuff too sometimes with people and I don't know about you, family members especially, uh, will look at this kind of work and say, you know, it's unrealistic and and I get it. I mean, it, it looks like that on the surface, but like you said, there's there's a market for it. And by I'm holding up air quotes here for my audio only audience, but there's a market for it, meaning that there's there's a desire, there's a need, there's a want. So it's supply and demand. And with that demand come teachers that can facilitate. And that's where you're seeing this multiplication of inspiration go. And I love this. I think it's fantastic, just like you. So um, tell me tell me your favorite part about the way that you live now versus how you were when you didn't feel this good uh, and what got you, what made that shift, you know, because we all go through that, right? You've got a story, you've got a back, but what's like your most empowering moment that you've ever felt? Oh, wow. Besides being on uh, Expanding Reality, um, <laughs> of course. Very empowering, actually, to also be here. Um, okay. Ask that question one more time. Yeah, Sorry. Just the, that's okay. What what made the largest impact on you that changed your perception about everything? Wow. You know, my answer is going to be very much in alignment with what popped up for me after you spoke about action and motivation. I don't think it's these big breakthroughs that happen. They can happen. They definitely can happen. And I do know a couple of them, but I feel that it's momentum that builds up. So. If I were to mirror this to the action and motivation factor, right? If we can just take little actions, that builds momentum. As long as we're consistent with it, it'll build momentum into us then becoming more motivated, inspired to do bigger and harder things. So even within people's, their own awakenings and their own breakthroughs, I find it's in our daily rituals and our daily practices that build these bigger breakthroughs, these bigger moments of, oh, goodness. Um, but if I had to, if I had to pick something, oh my goodness, I don't know if it was the time that I, 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 I had the energy of Jesus running through me. I don't know if it was the time I did ayahuasca four days in a row. I don't know if it was the time where I asked for projected out of my body a couple of times within my lifetime. There are a lot of moments here. 
I got to be honest, I should have led with that question because now I want to know about all that shit. <laughs> like, damn it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I mean, you don't post that on your website, so I didn't know that about you. Um, okay. Well, I understand why you don't, but it's it's interesting. Maybe just a little teaser. I mean, you know, check a, have a multiple choice question, have I, and then do all that stuff. And then it just says all the above. Uh, that's That's really cool. Okay, so tell me about your, of course, I got to ask you about the Yeezus. So what happened with that? I was probably either 12 to 14 years old, and I was a, I was a very religious girl. Um, I was a reborn again Christian by choice, and I did not resonate with the Bible, and it really bothered me because I felt shame for not connecting to this book. But I connected with spirit. I connected with that energy, and I was just confused, and I wasn't spiritual at this point in my life, or at least didn't deem myself spiritual. And so I was laying in my bed and um, probably the first aha moment I had with spirit was I was laying in my bed and I had bunk beds. So I was above my bed, the top one. <laughs> and I was basically respectfully demanding, right? Where we, where we curse and we yell and we're just like, show yourself to me. I need proof of your existence. Or we're on our knees begging and crying and kind of like one of those moments. Um, and after I finished all of my speaking and my crying and my and my yelling, I I I shit you not. Literally, this entire warmth of energy, and it was warm and it was pure compassion, flew through through my entire body. All the hairs on my skin stood up. And I embodied that energy for a very brief moment in time. But I sat there and just knew. I instantly knew it was not religion that I was connected to. It was spirit that I was connected to. And I knew in that moment, start questioning things, girl. There is so much more out there. And it just, it filled me. I was like, okay, I know. I didn't have to know what I knew. I just, I just knew. And so <laughs> you can imagine my religious path. <laughs> if I, this happened, I'm pretty sure when I was 14 and then had met my first church teacher at 16. So very shortly after, um, and then when I was 17, I asked her projected for the first time. And that was, that was, that was. Go on. Okay. Okay. So uh, being a starseed, I view, um, I have specific gifts that I'm, I'm able to do. And astral projection is probably um, my number one gift. It's the one gift that I was just born with the ability to do very easily. Um and so <laughs> I can meditate for an hour and I will fall asleep probably at the hour mark, but not actually fall asleep. Um, at some point in that drifting off, my consciousness turns back on, but my body is completely asleep, dead asleep, like doesn't exist. And so I am just this little orb of awareness. And I don't know how it actually happens for me. I can guide people to do it for themselves in different ways, but I can meditate for an hour, drift off for a moment, regain consciousness, and I'm already in the astral realm. For me, that's how that works. Very intense, very strange, because most people will talk about having to experience vibrations, feeling the pull part of the body, and I, I don't go through that. Um, and I had a meeting with my mentor yesterday about it because I was confused at why I'm not having these similar experiences. And she's like, because you don't have to. You've already mastered that within yourself. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. I'm not going to complain about that. <laughs> You're like off the list. We're good. <laughs> cool. Um, and I don't want to jade anyone's astral 
experience. Um, but it almost for me feels like you're in this reality, but it's altered. So very fuzzy, kind of blurry, little, little, I had little, I have little twinkle lights that kind of shine everywhere. Um, but I know that I'm not consciously awake, at least here, I'm not here because when I stepped into the astral space, I was wearing a different outfit than when I went to go meditate. And I was like, okay, I was wearing a red dress and the color of the creatrix, which is my star seed type is, is red. And so I was wearing a red dress and I'm just like, where am I? Why am I? I'm in my room, but my mirror is like twice the size that it was when I first got here or when I went to bed, I'm wearing a different outfit. Everything's kind of blurry and fuzzy. I was like, I did it. I did it. I astral projected. Oh my goodness. Okay. So if I'm in the astral plane, I can float. And then I would float and I'd fly around my room. And um, then I brought other entities into the space and it gets much bigger than that, but it is pretty cool stuff um, at 17 years old to realize that there is way more, way more than this 3D reality. This is very limited. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I... No, not at all. It's very, very interesting. I, I love this. So why do you think that like your room and stuff exists in the astral plane? Is that just because <laughs> atoms make up all matter and therefore matter has energy and therefore all energy and whatever form human beings put it in will also exist in the astral? Do you think it's got anything to do with that? Because it's odd to be in an energy field. And then have your walls and door and all that yeah. stuff and, it's, and even just be slightly augmented. I mean, it's interesting. Or it could just be, of course, a mental projection of what your astral body wants to put around you to make the transition more comfortable, right? I mean, all things are possible. I know from the research that I've done on astral projection over the years, most of the things that I've read, and there, there could be totally other different experiences, but I don't want to jade it for anyone because it, it, it could be totally unique to the individual. Um, but from what I've read, you will find yourself where you are. It's called remote viewing. You, I can technically, I haven't tried it. I, I think that's a little bit of invasion, but I haven't tried. I could, maybe next time I'll try it. I don't know. Where you could technically... When you're in your astral space state, you can go into other people's homes and see what they're doing. And then when you come back to your body, you can tell them, hey, I saw you doing X, Y, and Z, and then validate if you were actually able to do that. And many people have reported being able to do that. There's actually a really good book called Journey Out of the Body that was written by um, the creator of the Monroe Institute because he um, wrote a whole astral projection book. So that has tons of information on it. Um, very good. But to answer your question, I have no idea. It just seems to be a common theme that we end up in the space that we're in. Um, my mentor told me that I was not necessarily in 5D and beyond, and that might be why I was in my room, that I was in 4D. I was there rather than being in the altered state where then I would be able to actually do a lot more. So I'm excited for when I get there. Segway to altered states. How was your ayahuasca experience? <laughs> Honestly, I was not ready for it. I'm making that face. I was not ready for that. Had you dabbled into the psychedelic world before any of that? Okay. So just Many mostly what? Mushrooms and any LSD or anything like that? Um, I've done LSD and mushrooms. 
more than I can count on my fingers. Okay, that's fair. Me too. Um, But so you had kind of an idea of what to experience. Now, it's interesting in the way that I've heard this described as well is the medicine ayahuasca is very different. It's a spirit. So it takes you on what it shows you what it wants to show you as far as mushrooms and for them for a good amount of it, probably LSD, um, then you get to tell it what you want to see and you kind of control the experience uh, in, in a big way, but it's the opposite. You know, it's like 80% you control, 20% LSD or mushrooms control. Uh, it's the, it's an inversion of that. You control about 20% of that ayahuasca experience. So what um, made it so challenging for you? Oh, because it showed me some really creepy stuff, man. On your first there time? Were, well, there were a lot of there were a lot of evil things that I was seeing. It was really scary. I well, for one, I didn't know. So I went into the space, and I I'm just used to when you're when you're on mushrooms or LSD. Like I've done those things alone, and I've 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 had my own personal experiences, which I actually prefer in those states and then i've done them in group settings and when you're with your friends you can talk to them and share and talk about what you're going through and have that shared experience and i kind of really also like that and so when i went to do ayahuasca i thought it was a community thing i didn't know that you can't talk to anybody else at least where i went you were completely by yourself and that kind of made me go crazy um because I'm a talker and I like to talk. This should be a box that you check, right? You should say, okay, I want the personal experience uh, or I want like a group setting or do like, okay, I want personal experience for a little bit and then I want to be have the option to go group. Yeah, because yeah, this is like restrictive and I get it. It's like the monk thing we were talking about. It's a very isolating experience or you can have a shared experience. So I'm right there with you. It should be an <laughs> option, right? I mean, I, I paid like thousands of dollars to go do thing that I didn't get to do. I felt the, the need to want to talk with people and I, I did, couldn't have that met. Um, but aside from what I was actually experiencing, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I just saw a lot of devil faces and a lot of demon things and a lot of really, really scary stuff that it was, I was switching between being the scared little girl in like the fetal position and then also experiencing just a lot of demonic dark energy and so i was bouncing between the two of them the entire time um so yeah i guess it does purge your demons quite literally (laughs) would you do it again (laughs) yes yeah right no more prepared (laughs) that's right well and 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 you know it's like the first time i took acid i had a horrible horrible bad trip like we don't have time to unpack that for sure but it was very very bad and uh but i you know and that that was the thing i was like well of course i'm gonna try it again because that's not a fair assessment of it right you know i was probably in a spot whatever but i think that was my purge back then on that one trip when i was in high school anyway so uh you are wonderful did you have anything else that you wanted to kind of close out here with i will of course link all the ways to find you down in the show notes so that folks can come uh check you out and connect with you and everything like that um so any any last uh parting wisdom for us here or thoughts or anything (laughs) Okay, thank you. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I just I just wanted to do that. I just wanted to do that. And while I was doing that, the only thing I was looking at was the individuals that are watching this or listening to this. I want you to know that all I'm looking at, all I see is the light within you. 
not the layers of conditioning, not the ego, not the stories that you tell yourself about yourself, about your pains and why you are the way you are. I see at the core of your being, your light, your authenticity. And that's what I want to awaken within people to shed all the other stuff. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely grateful. And really sweaty. Ooh, lots of energy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm in Texas, so I'm with you. Um, Lots of heat out here and energy. I guess it's both. But um, Cecilia, thank you so much. This was awesome. We will definitely stay in touch. Um, Don't hang up yet because I want to ask you something after this. But uh, thank you so much. We really do appreciate your time. Fascinating stuff. Uh, She has a very interesting perspective, and that's what I also find more interesting about her as well is how young she is and how many more resources she has coming up in it uh, at the time she is. And it's a really necessary element to the global collective consciousness awakening that we're all experiencing right now and enjoying the hell out of. So um, go find Cecilia down in the show notes, guys. All the ways to find her will be linked down there. Uh, As for this show, you can find us at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is where the links to all of the socials will be. The YouTube is over there as well. If you guys want to check out the YouTube video of this, uh, it is there. So uh, go to expandingrealitypodcast.com for Patreon as well. So the music that you guys are hearing under this, it is awesome that my friend Vinny the Saint is helping us out with our outro music here. He does an incredible job, guys. He's got some new stuff dropping. He keeps churning it out. He's just very inspired lately, and it just keeps getting better. So it's fun to follow his journey, and uh, we're grateful that he lets us use his music here. So you guys go check out Vinny the Saint. It is linked down in the show notes as well. Uh, So go out into your week this week, guys, and just pick up a piece of litter. Uh, Be nice to every person and animal that you come across in your day there buy somebody a coffee or a meal in line behind you. It doesn't have to be anything massive, but it makes a massive impact. Uh, Get out of the left-hand lane, of course. And if you take nothing else from the show, guys, y'all go out into your world, whatever this is. Enjoy the things around you, and y'all just be good to one another. Thank y'all so much for listening. We'll see you next time.